those things motivate us in a, in a day-to-day way. Some people like enjoyment and pleasure. That motivates them. Some like relaxation, like to be able to crochet or to go fishing and do different things. So there's a lot of motivations that we have out there. Desire, determination, and instruction will get us to the place that we want to be to be involved with it. Jesus came so that I might have life and that I might have it more abundantly And to get to this new life to come, He's given us His Word. He's given us the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to help us as we go along and to persevere all the way to the end. And that's going to be important today in what we're studying because the Holy Scriptures are absolute truth. They are the instructions for the principles of this life. I like to look at it like this. You know the song that the little kids sing that we've been teaching them? The B-I-B-L-E, yeah, that's the book for me. Stand upon the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. B-I-B-L-E, basic instruction before leaving earth. There you go. That's, that's what it is for us. It's our instruction. It's uh, the great and precious promises that we have there to motivate us to continue on in this walk of life. Another thing we're going to find out is there are certain rewards given to those who have really gave a lot during this life on earth. You know there's an order of angels, right? There's archangels, there's seraphim, there's cherubim, there's principalities, there's powers, and then there's regular angels. Could be that... The same thing will be for us. There's a very interesting passage that we're going to look at quickly today and expound upon next week that kind of gives a hint to that. That to those who are motivated to go even a little bit further than to be a pew potato, they might have some special awards given. So with that, Revelation chapter 2, if you're there today. If you have your Bibles, if not, it'll be up on the board for us that In Revelation chapter 2, I want to share with you what God wanted His Son to share with His servants. Information for us. And you know, in chapter 1, when it said that in the very first two verses, then it says in verse 3, it gives a special promise in verse 3. It said, for those who will hear and read this book... You will have special blessings. Those are motivations. Those special blessings that he's got in store for those who excel. Let's start with verse 23 of Revelation chapter 2 as we get into this. I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now... To you I say, to the rest that are in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden but to hold fast on what you have until I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works unto the end until I come, to him will I give power to rule over the nations. 
He shall rule them with a rod of iron, and they shall be dashed to pieces like potter's vessels. As I have received from my father, I will give him the morning star. He that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Wow, does that motivate you? Got a lot of blank stares like, well, I don't even know what that's talking about. I didn't either. But that's why I'm excited now. And I want to get you excited about what this is saying for us here. You know, there's that motivation in the first verse, that other side of the coin that I don't want to face, what he's going to do to those who follow false false things. We've seen Balaam, we've seen Nicolaitans, we've seen Jezebels, we've seen things that are trying to be stumbling blocks to us to keep us from the destination that we want to reach. He says to, to those who are perpetuating that and doing that and following it, they're going to be separated from me. I'm going to put death in the place. But to the rest of you, here's your motivation to follow him. To the rest of you, I'm going to give you some things. I'm going to give you this rulership over some nations and I'm going to give you the morning star. What are those things? Those are precious promises that we're going to get to talk about. He says though, but to you, the folks who are here right now, who are not following after that, but you're doing my works. He says there in in, uh, verse 25, hold fast what you have until I come. Hold fast. And that word right there is a word that means to hold on for dear life. Don't let go. And it's also a word to guard like the golden Fort Knox. It's something that's precious. I was thinking about that rattlesnake while ago. You would be holding fast to that. You don't want to let go of that because it's dangerous, right? Well, that's what he's talking about here. He said, Hold fast to what you have because it's dangerous if you let go. Because the adversary is wanting to strike at you. Hold fast to what you have. In the next chapter, did you know that he wants to try to take things from us? The next chapter, the church at Philadelphia that we're going to see in chapter 3 in verse 11. It says, Behold, Jesus said, I am coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have that no one takes your crown that's what they're trying to do all the time the adversary that we have and that Christ has is all the time trying to take what we have to take it away from us to rob us of what we have you know it says in John 10 10 Jesus was telling us whenever he was given the story there he says the thief does nothing except come to steal to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have eternal life and that you might have it more abundantly. So hold fast to your works, he says up here. Hold fast with a death grip on it. Don't let go of what you have. And if, verse 26, if you will do that and you keep my works to the end, to him I'm going to give power over the nations. And that is a special blessing that we're going to be talking about. Note the promise, though, is designed to motivate us to the next level. It's designed to motivate us to, the ser- to service and to works and to perseverance all the way to the end. The rewards. Go ye into all the world. 
He said, keep, not only overcome, did he say there, he said, to keep those who overcome and keep. So we've talked about some rewards for those who overcome, first of all, who have that faith in Christ and who continue on. But to those who keep and keep going with my works to the end. And that was in verse 19 when it said, the faith, the love, the service that you had. If you not only believe, but you keep going in my works, he said, I will give these things to you. Up here, it's telling us a couple of those things. The Great Commission. We've been told to go to all the world to teach the gospel to every creature. And then, after they have believed, they're baptized into Christ. It says, then continue teaching them all the things whatsoever I've commanded you. And don't be worried. Don't be afraid. I am with you always, even to the ends of this age. And then he says in Revelation twelve eleven, there's a little commentary on that overcoming there. You know, here's a good way to overcome. They overcame. That's talking about the ones who overcome. How did they do it? By the blood of the Lamb, right? His name is wonderful. They did it by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. Go ye. And they did not love their own lives even unto death. So there's a good start. Hold fast. Hold fast to what you have, to that work, to that service, to that faith, to that love that you have, that you've received, and you will receive from me some things in exchange for that. I'm going to give you power. I'm going to give you the right to rule over kingdoms. Now, this will begin in what is called the, the millennial kingdom when Christ comes back. We will be a part of that to be with him in ruling. You are going to receive some things. I know that there is a lot of different ideas and a lot of different takes on end times. Everybody likes to study end times. Everybody's got opinions. Everybody thinks that they have to be right and everyone else wrong. I've came out of one type of theory into another through a deeper study. I want to share these things with you, but as we proceed through this book and through these studies, I want to, I want to ask you to, to have this mindset that I heard from a great scholar that it really changed how I looked on this. He said, there are people who are sincere, who are brilliant, who are knowledgeable, that has studied this stuff their entire lives. And they're all over the place. There's some that believe one way, some that believe another way, and they're staunch on it, and they're serious, and they've studied it. And he said, if it's that way among them, and they can't all agree on something, why should we? So whatever I'm going to teach you, to me, I am going to try to show you from the Word of God and nothing but the Word of God what's going to happen for us. If it's something that you haven't heard, don't get upset. There's people all over the place on this. I'm going to try to share with you what I believe is the exact truth for coming up, and I'm going to use the Bible to do it. So with that as a preface for getting into this subject of end times and what's going to happen Let's get right into it. Here's a quick look at the order of things. 
the order of things. Jesus says at these times, if you hang on till the end, I'm going to give you some things. Well, we've got to know what the end means and what that is. We know that during present life what the end means. But what does it mean also for the end of the ages? You see, the quotation from verse 27 of our chapter that we've been reading in Revelation chapter 2, when Jesus promises to share with us that power over the nations and a rulership, he says this in the next verse, in verse 27. He quotes, He shall rule them with a rod of iron, and they shall be dashed to pieces like a potter's vessel. That's a quotation from Psalm 2. And that's one of our Berean chapters, if you want to read that this week, to study for extra learning and extra depth into what we're talking about. That is quoted from Psalm 2. That's the word there on ruling is to shepherd. It's poemano. It's the same word when it says to shepherd something. So you will be leaders. You will be shepherds over something in the future is what he's saying to this. Now, it is something in the future. It, it was not upon Christ's death. When he says, I will give you these things, he is writing to the what? Church. Every one of these end with he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So if this was present tense, it would already be happening. This is future tense, something for us to listen to and to learn and something that we will receive. We're still here. We haven't received that yet. So it's not something that it's talking about that has happened yet or is going on now. It's something that is future tense. It's not currently taking place. So now that we've established that, this reward is for a future time. We'll share the order of the things. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 of the book of Revelation is for us right now, the church age that is going on. The present time. When we start chapter 4, we will begin what is called the rapture of the church that will lead us into the tribulation period that will last for seven years. The church, you and I, will not be present at that point of the tribulation. I know that's a question that I've been asked by even my cousin. You know, will we be here? Will the church be here? No. And I will show you why in a moment from the Word of God. The church will not be present. And I say, once we start studying chapters 6 through 18 that define that tribulation period, I say, praise God. Thank you for bringing me out away from that and not allowing me to be a part of that. The removal of the church will be detailed from chapters 4 to 18. Chapter 19 of Revelation begins the story of the second advent of Jesus Christ when he will come back. That goes through chapter 20 and verse 6. Then chapter 20, verse 7 through verse 15 will be the final rebellion of the adversary. And it will be the judgment time taking place of that. Chapters 21 and 22 will describe the eternal state of things after all of this has taken place and death has been vanquished and everything is victorious. Now, it's important then for us to develop all of this and to lay a foundation going forward for what's going to happen and these rewards that we're going to receive. So let's begin with the church age today. Christ has died, been buried, 
He's been resurrected. He did that for our sins. And those who trust in that and believe in that is called the church. And we are his bride. And he is right now in heaven preparing a place for you. So that where you are I will come and to take you to be with me. We as the church are preparing ourselves here on earth. And doing what we are supposed to do with the great commission. Of sharing the word. Being disciples doing good works and leading others to Christ. And that's what we are here doing. Then, how do we know that this is going to be the next thing that takes place? The rapture of the church is described for us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, another Berean chapter if you want to read that this week. 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 to 18 talk about this, and here's what it says. I do not want you to be ignorant, Brethren, no, he's not calling us names. He says, I don't want you ignorant, brethren. No, there's a comma. It's, I don't want you to be ignorant, my brothers and sisters, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. So we're talking about believers right now. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. Here's a promise from our Lord. That we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord. Will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the trump of God. And the voice of the archangel. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus shall we always be with the Lord, and therefore comfort one another with these words. There's your comfort. There's your comfort for those who have went before us, and the comfort for those of us who are alive. There's a promise. I'm coming back for you. I'm coming to take you to be with me. And this is all about believers. I see nothing in this part that says anything about an unbeliever or what's going to happen there. This is about believers. This is the the rapture of the church bringing believers to be with him. It is written for us and it's also for our comfort, for our peace of mind to know what is happening and what's going to take place. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 15, another Berean chapter. Read chapter 15 this week. It's got a lot of good stuff about this. But verses 50 to 58 describe how that when that happens and when the trump of God and the shout and the archangels, they come and we are gathered together and rise within. Chapter 15 says that we are changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. That this mortality puts on immortality and this body of corruption puts on a body of incorruption. And then we are raised to be with him. And death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Because we have overcome death through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And at that point, we will be watching from the mezzanine what's getting ready to take place on those who did not believe. And we will start talking about next week the rewards then that we're going to get when this point happens, when we are resurrected. For the resurrection of the royal family of God, the bride of Christ will go in the promise of the resurrection to be with Christ himself. 
is fantastic promise. This was one of Paul's motivations to be a believer in Jesus Christ. Another Berean chapter, Philippians chapter 3. Verses 7 through 11 says this. This is Paul talking to those at Corinth. And he says, What things that used to be gained to me, I have counted as loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of what? The knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them all as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. And when I am in Christ, I am not having my righteousness. There is none. That's what the law taught me, that there is none. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that is from God, imputed to me because of Christ and His sacrifice for me. It's a righteousness from God by faith in His power, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death, that if by any means I may be able to attain also that resurrection from the dead. Paul says that promise, that promise of the glorification that I am going to have with Him, caused me and before this he was telling them how that he was a son of Benjamin I'm a tribe of kings the first king Saul came out of Benjamin we are proud as warriors we were left-handed men but we could take a sling and we could take that sling and it says that at a couple hundred yards they could cut a hair in half with that rock no wonder Goliath fell right they could cut a hair in half They're better than a sharpshooter with a rifle and a scope today. I was of that tribe. I was a proud man. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was a Pharisee. I had learned. I had studied from the best. I had motivation. I made it to the top of the heap. And I used that motivation to go after Christians. And when I got knocked on my tail on the road to Damascus by the Lord and Savior, I learned about a different way and I learned about the resurrection and all of those things that I used to glorify in and that used to bring me to the top and motivate me he says I count as rubbish and that's not the word it's being kind the King James says dung and you put them the two together and you got what it means I count everything that I used to think in this world was worth something I count it as the trash that the scavenger dogs eat and then leave as refuge out in the field. Dog stuff. That's what all that is. It is rubbish in the first place and after you consume it, it's even worse than rubbish. And that's what all of the glory of this world is when it's compared to the resurrection glory that I am going to have with Jesus Christ my Lord. And that's what he is saving there. And he said, I gave up fame, I gave up wealth, I gave up zeal, I gave up everything that I might see the power of that resurrection come to me. And that's why I'm sharing this message with you. Paul knew about motivation. So then we, the church, what will happen with us? 
we, at that point that we've been talking about, when the trump sounds and the archangel's voice, and when we are gathered together, and when that body of mortality is changed to immortality, and this corruption takes on incorruption, what happens? 2 Corinthians 5, another Berean chapter, if you want to study it this week. 2 Corinthians 5 says the next step is, Paul's writing to them, he says, we know that if this earthly house, this body, this tent that I'm living in, if it is destroyed, I've got a building from God, and it is not made with hands. It's going to be internal in the heavens, this new body I'm going to have. And in this, I am groaning all the time while I am in this body on this earth. I am groaning, not that I just want to be unclothed, but that I want to be clothed again with a new habitation. We shall not be found naked. We who are in this tent of this body at this time. We are going to have that mortality swallowed up by eternal life. God has prepared this very thing for us. And has also given to you and I the gift of the Holy Spirit as a guarantee it says for this. When you are baptized into Christ, Acts 2.38, Paul said, through faith you do this. He said, they asked him, what shall we do, men and brethren? And he said, believe and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. What is the gift of the Holy Spirit? It is your seal. We were just talking about this on Wednesday night. It is your seal. It is the thing that God knows that you are His. It is your guarantee of all of these things that are going to take place and that you are His. So, with that being said, verse 6, we are confident that while we are at home in this body right now, we're absent from the Lord. And being absent from the Lord and not being able to see what's going on, we have to walk by faith and not by sight. But... We are confident. Oh, it would be pleasing that if I could leave this body of mortality and to be present with the Lord. That word for being present with the Lord is apo, plus the accusative, which means face to face. This is a word that means actually face to face. So when I become absent from this body, I now become face to face with my Lord. Therefore, Because I am now going to know that I can be present from the Lord at the moment that this takes place if I am in Christ Jesus. He says in verse 9, Therefore, what is my goal in this life then? Is it still to be a Hebrew of Hebrews? Is it still to seek earthly wealth and gain? No. Therefore, we make it our aim. Whether I'm present with Him in the future or if I'm absent and here on earth right now, my aim is to be well-pleasing to Him in everything I do. Why? Verse 10. Because we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. So when the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rise, we are absent from the mortal body of incorruption and we are present face to face with the Lord and we will receive a new glorification body and it happens in a moment, in the twink of an eye. And we are changed and taken to be into the court area of the Lord and the bema seat that it's talking about there. This is for 
believers, not unbelievers. This is talking about the ones who are believing, he said, and, and this. This is not the great white throne judgment. What we're talking about happens with you and I, the church, at that moment of Revelation chapter 4 and 5. The great white throne for those who have never believed in Christ comes in, in Revelation 20. So it's not there yet. We're talking about us right now. We will stand before that and we're going to be looked at closely for the things that we have done, both good and bad, and receive just reward for both. It says then that the church will give account for what we've done in this body. That points back to Jesus in our text of chapter 2, where it says, Hold fast then with a death grip on what you have, your service, your faith, your love, your works, what you're doing. Don't let no one steal the crowns and the rewards that I have prepared for you. And we won't be ashamed at the judgment seat of Christ. We'll study those scriptures later. This judgment of works and giving of our rewards then will be taking place. And that's not a salvation thing. That's through Christ. Don't get me wrong. We're not talking about being saved by works because you cannot do that. We are not talking about that. That is the blood of Christ. How do they overcome? By the blood of the Lamb. So this is different. We're talking now rewards when he talks about judging at the seat of Christ, the church, for what you have. That's talking about the rewards that you will receive. The crown of life and righteousness and the, the manna and the different things that we will get these rewards. We began in Revelation chapter 1, right where we started. What God wanted us to know about His Son. Verse 3, if we read and hear, we will be blessed. What is the challenge to every church in these chapters? At the end of it, our Lord says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. We started out with, if you read and hear, there will be commendations. There will be blessings that come to you. It's the only book that promises this. If we listen, we take it to heart. If we do it, you will be blessed. And the rewards are a big part of those. Now, Jesus introduced and he says to John in verse 18 of chapter 1 this I am he who lives and was dead and behold I am alive forevermore amen and I have the keys of Hades and death write therefore John the things which you have seen the things which are and the things which will take place after these things I am the resurrection I am the life I have the keys to death and Hades John I want you to write to my servants I want them to be lifted up I can just hear him thinking what am I supposed to write Lord verse 19 I want you to write this the things that you've seen now I want you to look that these are three categories now we got three steps in the things that are written in this book I want you to write about the things you have seen. I want you to write about the things which are, comma. Then I want you to write about the things that will take place after these things. The church age is up through chapter 3. That is the things which are. Up to verse 18. 
When he says, write the things you have seen, that was the vision of the Lord among the candlesticks as the high priest of the church. When he turned and heard the voice and he saw the one like the Son of Man dressed in these garments, walking in the candlesticks. That's what he has seen to this point. Comma, then I want you to write about the things which are chapters 2 and 3 to the churches. Then... I want you to write about the things which will come after that. Now, the things that shall take place after these things. I know you can't see that. I, I left it on there. You can get with me. I put them on there. It looks good on the computer screen at home. It's right there in front of me and I can see it. And I bring it here and I put it here and I'm like, what? What this is, is the interlinear Bible. It's what I used for the in-depth study. It, it gives you the original language and then the definitions of the words when you click on those things. I'm trying to point there in verse 19 of chapter 1 that when our Lord and Savior says, I want you to write the things that will take place after these things, after the church age, that it's a word that's called metatauta that says these things, after these things. It's a future tense. It's something that's going to take place after what's going on now. But the reason why I wanted to point that out is, is because we've got the church age coming up. You've got chapter 2 and chapter 3 to the seven churches. Chapter 3, the last verse, the, the seventh, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. As soon as that is, you flip the page to go to Revelation chapter 4, and the next slide will show that chapter 4, verse 1, begins and in, ends with metatauta. And it says, So after the last he that has an ear, let him hear what is said to the churches at that point. The church is never mentioned again in the book of Revelation until chapter 22 when it says, All of these things I'm telling you is the truth from the Son of God. He that has an ear, there's your last one. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. But the church is never mentioned again after chapter 3. Why? Because chapter 4 and verse 1 begins the things that, that Jesus told John to write, the things that have to happen after these things. If you look at chapter 4 and verse 1, it will say, After this, I heard a voice behind me, like the voice that I heard in the very beginning in chapter 1, the voice of the Son of Man. And the voice said to me, Come up here into the heavenly realm, and I want to show you the things that will happen after these things. Folks, after these things, the church age ends with Revelation chapter 3. And the rest of it starts talking about what happens after these things. Metatauta is doubled up twice to prove the Holy Spirit is making an impression that these now... Metatauta is something that means a complete change in direction of something. It means the one has ended and we're going in a different direction. And that's what that is saying to us there. That we're not going to be there. And when we get to this point, that's motivation to keep coming. To keep coming to find out what we're going to talk about when we get to chapter 4 and we get to chapter 5. But we're going to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt in those two chapters that what we're teaching is true also. Just like we're teaching it right here from the Word of God. That it says... 
these things are going to take place after the church age. So praise God for what we're about to study because now we know that these rewards, these special gifts that our Lord is going to reveal to us next week of rulership and the morning star, what are those? We're going to find out and they're going to be exceptional rewards that we're going to have starting in verse 4 and 5 and going through chapter chapters 4 and 5 and going through till chapter 19 which was one of our Berean chapters where you're going to see that there the bride receives the white linen and the fine clothes and then it says a little bit later that the Lord the one who had the eyes like the flame of fire and the sword that protruded from his mouth and his feet trampling out the the wrath it says that those who are arrayed in fine white linen went with him by his side. That's what we're going to find out as us. And that's going to happen in chapter 19. But anyway, be motivated that we have some tremendous rewards for those who are faithful. To those who overcome by faith in Jesus Christ and then are motivated to continue to do good works and service for him because of what he's done for us. So, As our worship team comes on up and we close out for today, I hope that the Word of God and its promises that we are learning and that we're about to learn for us will be motivation for you to be here and to hang on tightly to what you have and don't let no one steal your crown. If you're not in Christ at this time, boy, I hope it's motivated you to be in Christ. To make that decision for him so that you don't face the alternative. But that you begin to be in him and that you begin to long for what we're going to have on these precious promises that he has given to us. If you're not yet motivated, if you're not a Christian but you're not yet motivated, I pray that you keep coming back and learning. We invite you to be here. This is the place to be to learn about these things. You know, I... When I came here, I was told that it was always said, I were, a lot of people's kicking the tires. We're kicking the tires. I'm going to tell you something about kicking tires. If you're really interested in that car, usually what happens is, is when you go back, somebody else bought it. The opportunity was gone. And that happens with life, too. If we just sit around kicking the tires all the time, folks, pretty soon the opportunity's gone. I'm not into kicking tires. I'm into doing So I'm praying that the Word of God motivates you to do. But if you're still kicking tires, pray that you come back so that you continue to study and that you learn the truth and that you will be persuaded to be in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank You so much for the power of Your Word and the power of Your resurrection. Thank you for the precious promises that someone like speaking for myself didn't deserve. I'm so glad that you are a God of grace and that you tell us about what you're going to give us in love because of your son and just because we believe in him and we try to share him with others. Father, I pray for this congregation. I pray for all of those who are here and I pray for all of those who are not. That, Father, your word will penetrate deep into their heart. That your spirit will make it true and real to them. 
and that they will respond in a positive way to whatever is necessary, whether it's to be in Christ or whether it's to be prodded into good works. And Father, I pray that this congregation then glorifies you in this community and in this world. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.